A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. At this is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Five minutes after five o'clock on 9-11, a Wednesday. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you what we're going to be talking about as far as historical monuments after 5.30. Pam Yonke, glad to have you along with us. We've got a lot of ground to cover today. Yesterday in Chicago, the cheese market rallied another nickel plus. That's two days in a row now. What is going on? Mike North with Commodity Risk Management Group is going to give us his explanation after 5.30. Also up before six o'clock. A lot of discussion about trade and tariff, but Wisconsin beef producers are trying to take matters into their own hands. Last week, they had a group of buyers and influencers in from Central America. Tammy Vossen got a chance to tell that story with Josh Scramlin. She's going to share it with us in our checkoff chat before 6 o'clock. If you've got outdoor plans for today, be forewarned. It does look like you are going to get wet. Another good 40% chance of showers today. 82 are expected. Expected high, so it's going to stay sticky. 64 overnight. Same situation tomorrow. 30% chance of rain. 80 as a daytime high. Then on Friday, just a 20% chance of rain. 72 Saturday. Partly sunny. 74. But more rain building back in the forecast late in the weekend. I'll let Stu Muck tell you the rest in about 15 minutes. No one works harder to help you achieve your goals. We know how challenging and rewarding farming and this way of life can be. You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots. We grew up here, and many of us are farm kids through and through. So whether you have one acre or a thousand. Whether you're building a house or a legacy. Your friends, family, and neighbors at Compere Financial have your back. And And we're we're ready ready to to champion champion rural together. together. Learn more at Compere.com. Compere Financial. Equal credit opportunity lender. Today's date is one of the most infamous dates that we have to deal with, 9-11, as we remember what happened here almost two decades ago now. Bob Bosel at the northern end of the world's longest barn, and while we think about 9-11, there are other things that can also change our world in a hurry. Storms, tornadoes, and lightning in our area can change things, and uh, the UW meteorologists keep track of all that stuff and the dangers it could be. And, uh, Reba, down there in the southern part of the state, you've got meteorologists who are really on top of this, aren't they? Yeah, we do, Bob. Reba McClone here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. I was talking with a John Martin. He's a professor in the Atmospheric and Oceanic Science Department at UW-Madison. And we were just talking about some of the safety precautions people could be taking when out in the field when it comes to lightning storms and making sure livestock deaths aren't something people are having to deal with. Thunderstorms. You either love them or you hate them. And a part of a thunderstorm is lightning, which is something that I think fascinates a lot of people, but many of us don't understand. John Martin is a professor at UW-Madison in the Atmospheric and Oceanic Sciences Department, and he shared with me some safety tips and explained how lightning works. This is still a topic of research. Really trying to understand lightning is not a completely solved problem, but some of the rudiments are fairly well understood at this point. What happens in clouds, and usually 
deep thunderstorm clouds where there's a lot of vigorous up and down drafts of air, so air rising upward and downward towards the ground and away from the ground. Um, there's more than one species of water substance in those clouds almost all the time. In fact, any storm that produces thunder and lightning has to have at least both liquid water droplets and pieces of ice. And the, the more sizable the pieces of ice, like small hailstones to large hailstones, the easier it is for charge to get separated within the cloud so that the cloud becomes... Um, uh, very, very segregated with respect to charges. And I believe it's the negative charges are at the top and the positive charges are at the bottom. I might have that backwards. But anyway, there's a charge separation. And the more that that uh, that the... Um that the uh, voltage builds up between those separations, lightning is actually the means by which that separation of charge is alleviated. So it's like putting a wire between a big electrical potential and all the energy just transfers along that lightning stroke and things are back to, to an equilibrium until they might start to rebuild uh, their charge separation by collisions of water droplets with each other, by collisions of ice particles of varying sizes with each other, the charges begin to separate out. What I heard as a kid was that lightning goes from the ground up. Is that false, or are there some instances where that happens as well? Well, that's a very good question. There are some kinds of lightning that are just within clouds, so there's a lot of in-cloud lightning, and you can even see that as differentiated from the kind that, that makes a stroke with the ground. So there's the potential for these streamers of, of electrical discharge to never involve the ground. But when they do, it, it seems as if something called a stepped leader descends from the cloud, but at the same time, something comes from the ground and meets that leader, and that's when the discharge takes place. So it's actually true that, it, that the that the lightning is initiated from both directions um, when it's a cl- when it's a strike to the ground, and in super slow motion photography, you can see both of those channels coming at each other, and one emanating from the ground before the lightning strike really goes off. So it is true what we all heard in school that lightning comes from the ground, but it's also true that simultaneously there's a there's a lead of electrical discharge that's finding its way towards that little sprout from the ground, and that's when they go off. I know some of the best ways to stay safe in lightning would be to be inside, and that would be the ideal. But say you're a crop scout and you're out in the middle of a field and kind of a what's expected to just be a lighter rain, and all of a sudden it's turning into a thunderstorm. What should that person be doing to stay safe? Yeah, and without, you mean a person without remedy, immediate remedy to get out of that situation. Yep, you're out in the middle of 100 acres and you're going to have a, maybe you're just out on a four-wheeler right now, so you don't even have a car to really get into. Right, right. Well, one thing that's true is that most of the, not all, but most of the really um, intense lightning, the kind that will come with a high frequency, is going to come out of a very heavy precipitating uh, event as well. So you don't want to lie down in a ditch, which is probably good advice in a tornado storm. You want to get as low as you can and avoid debris that's blowing around over your head. But in a lightning storm, um, where you're kind of in a place where there might be little uh, ditches and so on, do not lie down in those because you're, you're likely to end up having a little bit of a flash flood type rain. You can get yourself in trouble that way. So the best thing to do, and the idea behind it is to make the smallest contact possible with the ground, which is a source of, I think, positive charge. And so you want to make as small a contact as you can with the ground. Keep yourself low. So the ideal thing to do in a really you know scary lightning environment that you're out in a remote field is you want to just kind of be on on your 
your feet or maybe on the balls of your feet for as long as you can in a crouch sort of a, you know cannonball-like position like you're diving off a diving board, as long as you can sustain that. And try, if you when you have to take a break, just use your feet and your fingertips to kind of keep your body above ground. So you're making minimal contact with the surface of the earth, which means you're not a very highly charged particle, and you're not a likely candidate, even in a flat open field, for a discharge. And we all have heard the kind of rhetoric of don't go holding a golf club above your head in the middle of a lightning storm. Right. Is there anything else that we should, I know you said to kind of minimal contact with the ground, but is there anything else that people should be thinking about not doing in the middle of a lightning storm? Yeah, you probably don't want to seek shelter at the base of a tall tree. Because the tree itself provides the hazard, in that case, for a lightning strike. And, you know, if a tree gets split in half by lightning, it's not only going to hurt the tree. It's going to blow. I don't know if you've ever seen a site where a, light, where a tree has been struck by lightning. But the ground around it, within sometimes a 5, 10, 20-foot radius, is burnt to a crisp. So anything that's near there is going to also feel the effect of that strike. So you don't want to be near any object that's... Uh, pointing, you know, fairly highly above everything else, like a tall tree. So despite the fact that it might seem like you'll get out of the rain, you might feel a little bit more secure. It looks something like a dwelling, I think, to our primitive brains. It's the worst place to go. So you don't want to go to the base of a tall tree. And in fact, if you're, let's say you're on the golf course, certainly your clubs have to be on the ground. And if you're in a grove of trees with a little bit of the green near you, you get to the middle of the green and, and get in your crouch position. You're safer there than anywhere else. It's going to be cold and miserable, but you'll live. That seems counterintuitive, but it makes sense when you talk about it like mm. that. When we think about farmers, a lot of them have some livestock, and a lot of those animals, they don't like to be in buildings because they're prey animals, so they like that flight <laughs> aspect. Yeah. But they're naturally going to want to go under animal trees because that's what they that's what they do out in the wild. So what can you do as a livestock owner to help protect your animals from lightning strikes? I don't know how you're going to convince cows that are grazing on a field to not go underneath a tree. Uh, and I don't know what percentage of, of loss farmers experience from lightning strikes on their property where the cows have done their instinctual thing, which is to get some cover from the rain. Um, so unless there's a way that you can build some sort of system where that's centrally located in the in your in your main operations center where you can make your own decision if it looks like a lightning event and you can see your herd finding its way toward a tree have some sort of signals there some you know um, speakers or something that convince them don't do this make it very unattractive for them to go there only under that condition what i'm proposing is something like a scarecrow mechanism uh, we have a fake sound of crows up on our radar dishes on top of the building here that keeps other birds from nesting in the towers, and it comes on randomly. But if you could do something that was operated from your main operations center that would do the same thing for cows, tell them effectively, don't stay here right now. You don't want to be here. That would that would be the only thing I can think of. I like that scarecrow method and kind of analogy. Is there a potential to maybe, is there a potential to create kind of a more appealing spot for lightning to be hitting maybe in the field that would draw it away from the trees even? Yes, I suppose that is a possibility. Um, I think it's a little bit random in the sense that, you know, if you put a tall tower out in the middle of your field, let's say, that exceeds the average height of your trees by, you know, 50 or 30 feet, whatever it might be, that, that some some uh, technician might be able to tell you the answer to that, that would be a lightning attractor. I think that that would probably work. And then you could you could especially, you could take care to ground that thing 
in this in the surface of the earth so that if there's a strike on the top of that tower it's going to be really localized a cow isn't going to look at that tower as anything interesting and uh to you know sort of sort of uh, refuge from the storm and that would probably lower the probability of strikes on your trees on your property that's probably correct but it wouldn't eliminate them, I guess. Are lightning rods still the best option for buildings to help with those lightning strikes? Yeah, they are really good. Every single building that, that goes up has them on there, and um, they are really good. The, the, the bigger the roof area and the, and the taller the building, the more prevalent you tend to see them. Our building here is 16 stories high, and it's got a whole bunch of little spikes all the way along the, um, the, out, the, the roof perimeter, and it's connected by a big cable. So and then that cable is grounded. So any one of those things that gets struck, we got a lot of sensitive equipment on the roof. So we're tr- we're trying to offer the lightning multiple options, just like you were proposing for the field. And um, so far, it's worked. I've been here 25 years, and we've never had a major equipment failure because of a lightning strike. And we've probably had lightning strikes because we've had power outages in the building, and people's you know circuit breakers have blown. But that's a lot less of a deal than having a, a radar dish or satellite dish hit by lightning because that's a very expensive piece of equipment. So I, I think they're still a really, really good, simple technological um, uh, you know, god against lightning. And is there a potential to be hit by lightning even if you're not in the middle of a storm? There really can be so-called bolts from the blue. You know, you've heard of this, bolt, a bolt of lightning out of the blue. And it's because... The nature of the thunderstorms that in the summertime, especially that are producing lightning, uh, the lightning strike itself can be fairly non-local to the storm. It's rare; it doesn't happen that often. But uh, a lot of the little league parks and even major league fields now, I believe, for baseball, lightning's more common during their season. As soon as there's a lightning uh, visualization of lightning somewhere, somebody sees a flash then the game is canceled or uh, postponed for 15 minutes until they don't see them anymore because they don't want to risk just because the storm appears to be far away. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are not under some uh, risk of lightning. So you have, to, you have to treat it very, very respectfully and give it wide berth in order to stay safe. That was Professor John Martin from UW-Madison. So make sure you're taking precautions to be safe in the middle of a rainstorm or if you see lightning in a nearby vicinity. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Reba McClone. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. In baseball, these are the moments that bring us to our feet. But the most important moment happens when we all stand together. United for a great cause. We once again join our partners Stand Up to Cancer in reaffirming a commitment to the fight against cancer. Since 2008, Major League Baseball, its fans, players, and coaches have delivered a powerful, determined message that we, together, will defeat cancer. I'm Matt Damon. I'm Candace Patton. Joe Manganiello. Jordana Brewster. Zachary Levi. I'm Uzo Aduba. Cancer has in some way touched all of us. So join Major League Baseball and stand up to cancer as we stand in honor of all loved ones affected by this disease. Visit standuptocancer.org slash MLB. Stand up with us.
Hopefully by now you've heard the fabulous farm babe Pam Yonke inviting you to join her on a Costa Rica and Panama Canal adventure. Complete with agricultural highlights, January 4th to the 13th. If you haven't signed on with Pam yet and are interested but may have some questions, Holiday Vacations has arranged for a couple of regional free travel shows for you. On Monday, September 9th, we'll meet at the Reedsburg Voyager Inn, 7 p.m. On Tuesday, September 10th, we'll meet at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Madison at 10 a.m., 2 p.m., and again at 7 p.m. Wednesday, September 11th, we'll be at the Janesville Pontiac Convention Center at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. We'll also gather on Thursday, September 12th at the Mound City Bank Motor Branch in Platteville at 10 a.m. For more information, call Holiday Vacations at 1-800-826-2266. Tilling every inch of land in the state, except Lambeau Field. There's consecrated ground. Pam Yonke and the Farm Report. 521 now on a Wednesday morning, and let's get up to speed on what's happening with weather. Stu Muck, Ag Meteorologist, joining us. Got you a little short on time this morning, buddy, but I'm guessing you uh, don't have a whole lot of changes in the forecast. Looks wet. You're right, Pam. That could be unfortunate. Not like we need extra moisture. We need more heat. All right. It's going to stay fairly warm yet today and even on for Thursday. And I expect next week by late Sunday into Monday, a whole lot more mild air is going to be around. Low 80s are expected for highs. That's above normal. In most cases, five, somewhere like seven or eight degrees above normal. That will help our crops to grow, no doubt. But then there's this rain around. And, of course, we have to talk of the front that's pulled on through the warm front, the cool front dropping into the state, becoming stationary, and several disturbances. The showers and even a few thunderstorms around this morning. That activity will end, stays kind of hazy, foggy for a while, and we get a break toward the afternoon. But it's more likely we have more showers and thunderstorms overnight into the day Thursday, even around toward Thursday night. Additional rain amounts... I wish I could say something different from today and even on toward Thursday could be adding up into that one or even two inch range. That's additional to what we've seen. Three, four inches certainly look to be a possibility. A pretty wet spell, no doubt about that. But that mild air sticks around for a couple of days, cooling Friday and Saturday, warming up again into next week. On toward Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I expect upper 70s and 80s. Much more of that mild air that our crops really need to see. And with the rain, you know it adds that humidity factor, makes it seem kind of like greenhouse, probably helps things grow. I'll check the forecast right after this. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Celebrating 100 years, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau. It's a grassroots organization of people just like you and me who care about keeping agriculture strong. Joining the Farm Bureau can also qualify you for a number of money-saving member benefits that include discounts on insurance, travel, even equipment. Farm Bureau proud for 100 years. Become a member today at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. 
so this morning, along with mostly cloudy skies, showers, thunderstorms, the rain ends. We hold on to some hazy fog, kind of hanging in there today. A warm, humid day, still in the low 80s, as winds will be south about 5. But tonight, cloudy skies, showers, and thunderstorms redevelop. Mid and upper 60s, south winds at 5 become east later on. Mostly cloudy tomorrow, an afternoon shower, a thunderstorm about 80. East winds 5 to 10 become south, and rain lasts through Thursday night. Mostly sunny skies redevelop into Friday, more likely 70 or low 70s, with a west wind in the gusty side, 8 to 18, gusting to 30. So a little wet, Pam, but warm on the way. Very good. Thank you, my boy. Stumach Ag Meteorologist with our weather details. Coming up after 5.30, why is the cheese price suddenly going up? And what are Wisconsin beef producers doing to try to make their way in a market that's influenced by tariffs and trade? That story before 6. It's 5.25. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Do you know how many times I've talked to people who say their calendar is held hostage by their kids? Fabulous Farm Baby Pam Yankee here from my buddies at Zimbrick Chevrolet Main Street Sun Prairie. Let me explain what I'm talking about. So the kids are busy in the summer, right? Maybe they've got a job. Maybe they are involved in sports and practice. Or maybe they just want to hang out with their buddies. But the catch is they need you to get them there. Listen, my buddies at Zimbrick Chevrolet may have some options to help you out. Talk to my friend Steve Newby, for example. Uh, have you ever thought about handing your car down to that uh, new driver? You get a new car, your kids get your current ride. Maybe they've got some options for you there. What about leasing a vehicle? Your kids are in a vehicle that will have the latest safety features and you are off the hook for delivering them to all the places they want to be. Whatever you're looking at, if it's a brand new Chevy or one of the great used vehicles on the lot in Sun Prairie, my buddies at Zimbrick Chevrolet will match you up with a perfect fit. Zimbrick Chevrolet, Main Street, Sun Prairie. Are you ready to power your appliances and heat your home with clean, efficient FS propane? Work with Insight FS, a company that lives and works in the same community you do. They'll check your system to help make sure it's safe and efficient. Call them about their convenient contracting or budget billing programs. When it comes to the safety and comfort of your family, you can trust Insight FS. Visit InsightFS.com to schedule an appointment today. In baseball, these are the moments that bring us to our feet. But the most important moment happens when we all stand together. United for a great cause. We once again join our partners Stand Up to Cancer in reaffirming a commitment to the fight against cancer. Since 2008, Major League Baseball, its fans, players, and coaches have delivered a powerful, determined message that we, together, will defeat cancer. I'm Matt Damon. I'm Candace Patton. Joe Manganiello. Jordana Brewster. Zachary Levi. I'm Uzo Aduba. Cancer has in some way touched all of us. So join Major League Baseball and Stand Up to Cancer as we stand in honor of all loved ones affected by this disease. Visit StandUpToCancer.org slash MLB. Stand up with us. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. We hear you. You need a new bathroom. Ganser Company is proud to introduce 80 Years and 80 Minutes. Simply put, you need real information and pricing so you can make a good decision and spend your precious time with your family and friends, not contractors failing to call you back, taking weeks to get you an estimate, or the high-pressure sales pitch you dread. 
Our 80 years of hindsight for 80 minutes of your time. We give you the skinny in 80 minutes to make an educated decision. Bath Planet acrylic tubs and showers are the only bath systems that have the good housekeeping seal of approval. What that means is no more scrubbing grout lines, unsightly stains, leaky faucets, or using harsh chemicals. No more hiding your outdated and maybe embarrassing bathroom. So call today, 608-222-1243, or stop into our showroom and see the Bath Planet experience. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. It's that simple. Dancer, that's the answer. sports. I love the competition, the camaraderie, the bands, the crowds, all the pageantry, and I wanted to keep playing. But I graduated. No college is called and neither did the pros. So, to stay close to the game I loved, I decided to become a high school official. You know, a referee. When I played high school sports, I learned the importance of integrity, good sportsmanship, and respect for the rules. Now, as a high school official, I get to help model these same values to others. Maybe the colleges and the pros didn't call, but the kids in Wisconsin did. And now, I'm enjoying the competition, the camaraderie, the bands, the crowds, and all the pageantry of high school sports all over again. Interested in becoming a licensed high school official? Go to highschoolofficials.com to learn more and begin the application process. Something that was very sexy that I got was a text from you on Sunday with you shotgunning a beer in the parking lot before the Jets game. How did it go, my friend? And you were rocking the number five. Was that a Brooks Bollinger Jets jersey? You know it. Dude, it's the only jersey I have. How did it go? If anyone watched the Jets game, it was great for most of the game. Mm. And then it went downhill and the Bills won. So the best thing I did that day was get sunburned and uh, shotgun a beer. That's about it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jet fan too, Bernie. That, that missed extra points, bro. That's a killer. Hey, help, help us out with this because you're a great example for this or a great source for this. So we're talking about this guy, Mike Scott. I don't know if you saw that. The, the f- basketball player for the 76ers who rolled into the Eagles game wearing Redskins gear because he was born and raised in Northern Virginia. So he's a Redskins fan. He ends up getting in a fight with Eagles fans. He's a current member of the 76ers. Now, that's a bit extreme, but Philly fans are, are kind of knuckleheads. So, you know, we were wondering, you know, obviously you're, you knew, you're a New York guy, but you play here. You know, you spend some time in the NFL, some teams. Like, you've got a whole bunch of different allegiances. Like, how do you determine who you root for? Uh, it's real easy. I only root for the Badgers. Oh, there you I go. I mean, I'm a, Jets, listen, I'm a Jets fan, a Mets fan, and then I guess if you keep going down the ladder, there's the Knicks, the Rangers. I mean, just because I grew up with them. But realistically, like, I became a Milwaukee Bucks fan when I was living in Milwaukee and Madison. I mean, how do you not? That team is so fun to watch. But uh, would I, I – I cannot wait to come to the Michigan game. Will I fist fight dudes from Michigan? No, but I might bump them. I might not let them, at, you know, kind of walk by on the sidewalk. Well, you know, you're a without... fullback, Bernie. You've got to be bumping into dudes. Come on. 
I know. That's why I got Mama to knock you out as my walk-up yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I, I was uh, very rude last time they came to Camp Randall. Um, a dude was wearing a Michigan jacket and a Green Bay hat. And we berated this guy <laughs> as a traitor for a long time. The whole game, they actually ended up leaving. So don't sit near Good me you, during Bernie. the game. Don't sit near me. That's what that's that's what I need. I need a, I need guys like you on uh, on our side. Visiting with former uh, Badger Matt Burns. All right, so it's two games in Bernie, one ten to nothing. Uh, yeah, it's Central Michigan. It's South Florida, but I mean these aren't the worst teams. They're certainly not the best. But your takeaway from uh, one ten to nothing here after two games. Why well, huge positive on offense is Jack Cohn at least right now. You know, I want to see him continue to, to, to impress, but he looked really good. Um, he hit almost – how many – he must have hit seven or eight receivers. Like, he really just took that game over. When a game that we ran the ball successfully, he played well. I love seeing Graham Mertz get a little bit of time under his belt. We're going to need him if something happens to Jack. And, our, I mean, our defense is – to me, I love them. Like, there are some guys that are just no names that are playing – completely fantastic football and I just I just it's so nice to watch although I go to the bathroom during the defense because I don't really care about the defense that much I only care about the fullbacks um, <laughs> but you know what though but Jimmy Leonard's got him really doing a good job I think you know last year they weren't ranked as high as they are now and you could just see how they must take Jimmy's excitement and just use that on the field I mean they're all over the place Bernie, when you when you see a guy like Jonathan Taylor doing his thing, and you're like a fullback blocking for him, are you like, come on, give me some touches? I mean, Jonathan Taylor got nineteen, uh, nineteen carries, excuse me, one hundred and two yards and three tutties. When is you like, all right, give it to the fullback, give it to the fullback, let's go. <laughs> I mean, I always say that on short yardage counts, but <laughs> you know, they they got two good fullbacks. You know, when they line up in that, I call it the Christmas tree. Uh, it's like a power eye in the backfield, you know, those are always touchdowns. Those are always first downs. Um, and it's just nice to see, you know, you got Alec Ingold who left last year. Now you got two guys stepping in who are really producing. And, and all you have to do is, like, this is when I was blocking for Anthony Davis and some of the other guys. Like, you just got to get in someone's way. You know, Jonathan Taylor is such a good, he's the best running back that you just got to get in someone's way, and he'll make the play. He'll make it happen. That's what I was going to um, ask. Like, what's going through your mind when you're blocking for a guy like Taylor or, or someone that's a Wisconsin running back who you know is legit? Are you just trying to find him a little space, and you know he can do whatever with it? <laughs> Yo, all game, it's don't F this up. <laughs> but uh, No, it really is. Just, just get in his way. You know, just make the block, put a helmet on a helmet, you know, get the linebacker to move a little bit. John Montero's a big dude, but he can fit in tight spaces. So, you know, just, just make sure you make your block or make some type of block, and he's going to get 10 yards, I mean, what, at least five yards per carry. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. 5.35 now on a Wednesday morning. Yeah, it is the uh, 11th day of September. Back on this day, 2001, four coordinated suicide attacks against the United States. Two planes that flew into the World Trade Center. One that flew into the Pentagon. Another one that landed in a farm field in Pennsylvania. The attacks 
took 3,000 lives, destroyed property worth billions of dollars. And that is the only item we need to remember on this date in history. I'm Pam Yonke. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Wednesday. Are we starting to see some historical changes in our milk price? Boy, let's hope so. Yesterday, again, we saw our cheese price rally more than a nickel. That's two days straight. We've seen barrel and block catch a rally but why? Mike North with Commodity Risk Management Group down in Platteville explains. We, we will see uh, buyers come into this space seeking out product to kind of clean up their, their holiday needs and uh, you know make sure that they have everything moving through supply chain ahead of the big push. I mean, we are, believe it or not, we are moving into fall. It's only 10 days away. And that really sparks uh, the need to get everything flowing for the big cheese consumption period which in the United States is fourth quarter. It's when all the cheese platters come out and hit the tables for family parties and gatherings and holiday events and, you know, all all things cheese. Um, Bottom line is uh, some bids came into blocks. Blocks after the Tuesday trade are valued at 205 and a quarter. Barrels are at $1.82. They're up two cents. The block barrel spread now has moved to $1.93 and change. That is the highest that we've seen since fall of 2014 and it does you don't have to go much further than saying 2014 to remind producers of what milk prices were back at that time now this was as prices were falling in 2014 but nonetheless this is the highest price since that period of time um, what that does now is it 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 creates a little bit of uh, panic if you will among buyers we have been watching as the market crept up toward uh, $2, and everyone, even if you went back to the spring, talked about the possibility of a tightening cheese space as we got into fall on the heels of shorter milk production, uh, seasonal retraction of components through the summer, and then obviously a uh, uh, an overall growing demand for product. We've now seen the $2 trade, but we've gone beyond it. And, and that really, um, for those who might have been just kind of holding back and waiting, waiting for the market to fall back and you know clean up some of those last pieces of business they needed to get done that may cause a little bit of a panic uh, bid as we go into the next several days pushing milk and, and cheese prices even further so um, some really great things happening there and you know our, our message to dairymen is simple don't look past this uh, let's keep in mind that seasonally speaking in September and October is when we generally we'll make our peaks uh, in product as we fulfill all of these orders, as, as buyers are satisfied with what they have booked, and moreover, as, as we start to, again, pick up milk production and move into Q4. So um, this is a, a very interesting time. We're certainly excited to see it, but uh, an opportunity to be taking advantage of nonetheless. There you have it, Mike North with Commodity Risk Management Group down in Platteville. Like he said, hopefully this is a sign that we're turning the corner and that our Wisconsin dairy farmers specifically are going to start to see a little healthier milk check coming their way. It's 539. 
Oh, sure, I knew it. All of a sudden, Buck's got a great idea on what he wants to do in the backyard. But guess what? The calendar is clipping along. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here from my friends at McFarland, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City. So you know what I did? For our project, I jumped online, McFarland's.net. If you take a look under the heading of Hardware Online, you're going to see a project equipment tab. Basically, no matter what you're planning, they can help you get equipment to get the job done right. And hopefully done quicker. Lawn and garden, for example, if you click on that tab, you will find all kinds of items that you can rent from McFarland's to make your job move smoothly. And as always, friendly, helpful service folks that are there from beginning to end. You want to get a project done before weather changes? Then start today at McFarland's. Online, McFarland's.net, or in person, under one roof, McFarland, 78 Carolina Street, in the heart of Sauk City. Well, agriculture is still caught up in a lot of tariff and trade discussion, but I'll tell you what, Wisconsin beef producers trying to do what they can to find new markets. Last week, they hosted a reverse trade mission, bringing some buyers from Central America to Wisconsin. Tammy Vossen's going to share that story with us, along with Josh Scramlin, on our checkoff chats in just a little bit. Well, our commodity prices are nothing to get excited about, but I'll tell you what, our land values and our crop rent still holding firm. Wisconsin Ag Statistical Service says in 2019, the average rented cropland was going for about $137 an acre. Now, that's all across the state. That's up about $4 an acre compared to 2017. Cash rent for pasture averaged $40 an acre. That was pretty much unchanged. Rock County had the highest average cash rent for non-irrigated ground, $217 an acre. Lafayette County was next at $215 an acre. Green, Grant, and Columbia County rounded out the top five. The highest pasture rent, Lafayette County, $68.50 an acre. Calumet County, $62.50 an acre. Columbia and Wapaka counties, both about 57 bucks an acre. So despite the tough commodity price situation, our cash rent value still holding its own. Now, yesterday in Chicago, we held fairly firm. Saw September corn finish almost eight cents higher. December corn up seven and a quarter at 361 and a half. Soybeans were also pretty strong on the close yesterday. Soybeans for September rallied about 14 cents. The November beans up 14 and a quarter at 872 a bushel. We've been talking dairy. Let's take a closer look at those numbers. Yesterday, barrel cheese in Chicago finished the day up Two cents at 182. 40 pound block cheese up five and a quarter at 205 and a quarter. Double A butter, two and a half cents higher at 220 a pound. And again, I just want to remind dairy farmers I know I sound like a broken record. But I don't want to miss, I don't want you to miss your opportunity to sign up for the new dairy margin coverage program. That program, kind of revamped and revitalized and renamed under the 2018 Farm Bill, has basically guaranteed money for most Wisconsin dairies going all the way back to January. But if you want your piece of the pie, and so far, Sandy Chalmers says we've got about $60 million that's coming to the state, you need to get your farm service agency office before the close of business Friday, September 20th. And make sure you have got all your paperwork in place. Check in with your FSA office. Get that appointment made so they're ready for you at the counter. Well, we're ready for our next version of Checkoff Chass. I let Josh Scramlin take care of this conversation with Tammy Vossen. It's up next on a Wednesday morning. This is the Farm Report with Pam Young.
As summertime reaches its peak, so does property crime. The Madison Police Department and Madison Area Crime Stoppers has a few tips on how to keep you and your family safe this summer. Be aware of what's happening in the neighborhood. Get to know your neighbors and look out for one another. Lock your doors, including the garage door. Unlocked doors are open invitations to intruders. Don't post on social media that you are leaving town and wait to post photos after you return from your trip. Plan your route. Stay within well-traveled routes and walk in groups. There's safety in numbers. If your child or teen will be alone a significant amount of time, have him or her check in with you if they plan to leave the house and when they arrive back home. Monitor internet and social media activity to establish children and teens are visiting appropriate sites and following guidelines. Always lock your doors and roll up your windows when you leave your car. Do not leave valuables in the car. If you must leave prized possessions in your vehicle, keep them out of sight or hidden in the trunk. And remember, if you see something, say something. If you see people or activities that seem suspicious, report your observations to Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or call 911. Are you fairly fit but would love a little edge up? Are you entering middle age with a slowing metabolism and weak core? MSculpt may be your answer. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie is proud to be one of the first clinics in the area to offer this new muscle building technology called MSculpt. It's approved for building and toning abs, arms, butt, thighs, and calves. MSculpt works. One 30-minute treatment can be equivalent to 20,000 crunches or 20,000 squats. It's safe, effective, and painless with virtually no downtime. Sound too good to be true? Visit Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie to learn more. Let your natural beauty shine through. View our specials at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. It's Pam Yonke and the Wisconsin Farm Report. Good morning. It is Josh Scramlin filling in for Pam Yonke. Tammy Vossen, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Beef Council, is joining me in studio, which means it is time for another edition of Checkoff Chat. Tammy, hello. How are you? Good morning. I am great today. So this is a time when we get to sit down with the Wisconsin Beef Council and showcase all the great things that are being done with your beef checkoff dollars. So, Tammy, I know last time uh, I was listening to you and Pam do your checkoff chat and she was talking about this awesome event that you guys had coming up. Right. So the we had visitors in last week. They're actually from Central America. Um, and basically, they're all importers of beef products. Um, I think we had three of the top five uh, importers beef importers from Central American countries that were in Wisconsin last week. And we really had the chance to showcase to them the beef industry that we have here in Wisconsin, the quality beef products that we're producing, and help them network with industry members here that we can be shipping more of our product down to their countries. Mm -hmm. So what countries were they from? Because was it just one or was there a few? Right. So we had individuals from El Salvador, Honduras, Costa Rica, and Guatemala all here in Wisconsin. And then we also, also joining those individuals, uh, those were our importers. We had a couple of representatives from the U.S. Meat Export Federation staff. Mm -hmm. Those two individuals, Gerardo and Lucia, are based in Mexico or in Central America, and they really have a heartbeat for what is happening in terms of culture and consumption of beef and our beef products in those countries. Um, so they uh, really help us to tailor some of our marketing and programs that we're doing in, in Central America. Very nice. It sounds like there's a lot of moving parts 
to an event like this. So the Beef Council, how do you guys even go about putting an itinerary together for this group that's coming from uh, all these other nations? So we we did a lot of planning with the U.S. Meat Export Federation staff. All of our foreign marketing programs and dollars, checkoff dollars that we send to USMEF um, are used for retail and food service marketing in, in Central America. But in preparation for this trip, it was a lot of back and forth in terms of understanding who those buyers were mm-hmm. that were coming to Wisconsin and what they needed to have a broader understanding of as we were putting together our stops and visits for, for the week. Very nice. So what were these people saying to you throughout the trip from Central America? Was it mostly positive? Were they excited to see all these things that Wisconsin had to offer? What were the things they were saying? Yeah, they were really excited uh, to see the diversity of the beef industry that we have here in Wisconsin. So just to give maybe a little bit of a snapshot, we went to um, Marta Farms, which is an Angus cow-calf operation. We went to Brew Cow Farms near Wanakee, which is a Holstein feedlot. And then we also took them over to Peggle's Ponderosa Dairy. So really showing them where beef production comes from within the state of Wisconsin, but that they also had the chance to tour the um, processing plants in Green Bay, both JBS and American Foods Group, um, to see the diversity of products that are offered by those plants. Um, And probably the thing that they walked away um, most interested in that they really didn't have a concept on previously was, you know, the Holstein beef production that we do have here. And Mm -hmm. of course, that is processed primarily by by our two plants uh, in Green Bay and how that product really can fit into um, the pocketbook mm-hmm. of the consumers down there. So what we what they realized in their trip here was that that Holstein beef product really can fit the price point of their consumers in the region, but also the quality and consistency of the products that they're looking to um, feature to their consumers there. Of course, of course. And I'm really glad to hear that. So we're joined by Executive Director of the Wisconsin Beef Council, Tammy Vossen, right now in studio. It's Checkoff Chat. We're talking about where your valuable checkoff dollars are going. Uh, the Wisconsin Beef Council recently hosted buyers from Central America, and they took them around our great state last week. So, Tammy, obviously you guys went into this event with a goal in mind. Walking away from the event, do you feel like you achieved your goal? I really do. The connections that our Central American visitors made with the processing plants here in our state, as well as with our farms um, and the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture export team, is going to help us um, continue to reach our goal of growing demand for beef, not only domestically here within our state borders, our, our national borders, but we know that the vast majority of the population in the world resides outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so we have continued to target um, our checkoff dollars from Wisconsin to Central America. And we really feel that there is a vast opportunity for us to export more of our beef to their countries. So going along the lines of those opportunities, what would be the next step in the process in your eyes? Well, we'll have to continue to maintain those relationships. Um, so we'll be following up both with J- JBS and American Foods Group, as well as the visitors who were here so that we can know that they've continued to um, make those connections. We talked about 
creating some type of a marketing platform featuring Wisconsin beef that we could have them deploy within Central America and mm-hmm. within some of their retail and perhaps food service establishments there. So it'll just be continued steps as we move through this process, um, getting product there and then promoting it as a, as a wholesome quality U.S. Uh, and Wisconsin-based product. It's interesting because now I've... You, you can probably smell the smoke. I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, people down in Central America, I wonder what their perceptions are of Wisconsin. When these visitors arrived to Wisconsin, did they have any preconceived notions or did, had they ever visited Wisconsin before? A couple of the visitors had been to our state before, um, looking more so on the cheese side. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, Wisconsin, of course, isn't typically known as a beef production state, uh, even though we've got, you know, 13,000 beef farmers located across our state. And with the dairy farms, you know, once those cows and those calves obviously all end up in the beef uh, chain as well. So I think that was kind of an eye opener for our visitors um, as they did come to our state. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Did they get any cheese curds? Oh, cheese curds just about every day. Good. <laughs> they either had them, they either had deep fried cheese curds for dinner or at some of our stops there were cheese curds, you know, fresh cheese curds out. So, you got, yeah. You got to get them curds. while you can, right? <laughs> and some great steaks too oh, while they good, were here. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, so, you guys, it looks as though it's not going to slow down at all because you've got World Dairy Expo and World Beef Expo both coming up within. Whew, the next month, <laughs> which is scary. <Right. laughs> but uh, what what does the Wisconsin Beef Council have going on at both of those events? Yeah, so we look forward to the opportunity to connect with all of our Wisconsin beef and dairy farmers at both of those events. Really what we will be doing is having the opportunity to have the conversation with all of you about what we are doing with your beef checkoff dollars um, within our state, whether that's you know, focusing on foreign marketing, um, we do a, We have a great program in terms of consumer advertising and education um, to our Wisconsin consumers. So we hope to see you at both Beef and or Dairy Expo, uh, where we can talk about that more. It's Checkoff Chat right now in studio. I have Executive Director of the Wisconsin Beef Council, Tammy Vossen, joining me. We are talking about where your valuable checkoff dollars are going and what the Wisconsin Beef Council is up to. Tammy, it's all about social media. It's all about the website. Tell me, where can people connect with you guys on socials and what is the website that we can direct them to? Absolutely. So our website is beeftips.com. Uh, in all of our social media, it's, uh, we've got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and... There's so many of them. It's <laughs> Yeah. I know we have... Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter uh, handles out there that you can connect to from our website at beeftips.com as well. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I certainly look forward to seeing you at Dairy Expo. I don't know if we're going to be making it out to Beef Expo, but as you know, Pam Yonke lives at Dairy Expo, so you'll be seeing her and myself and Reba McClone. And Tammy, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I don't even worry about it. The pleasure is all mine. Again, Tammy Vossen, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Beef Council. A lot of great things happening with your checkoff dollars right now and in the near future. As she just explained, they had this incredible visit from all these beef buyers in Central America. And coming up, World Dairy Expo and World Beef Expo. The Beef Council will be at both of those events. They're going to have a great booth set up, and they will be able to answer all of your questions. So, farmers, if you're at either of those events, make sure to stop by and get all your questions answered about your checkoff dollars and any other beef industry questions that you might have. Make sure to visit them online. That's 